Welcome to the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Knowledge, experiences, and actionable takeaways from those who are killing it with short-term rentals. Here's your host, Jeremy Warden. We are live with the Short-Term Rental Pro Podcast. Super excited today to be here with my good friend, business partner, Blake Holden. Blake, for those who don't know you, tell us about yourself and kind of get, walk us uh, through where you were when you started your short-term rental journey and give us the high level of what you've been able to do in the last few years. Yeah, so my short-term rental journey started about three years ago. At that time, I was just working my first job out of college and was making like 45000 not that much, and was looking for different side hustles. I started doing a couple of different things. I had a vending machine business. I had a computer science tutoring program. And a bunch of different things, but I was looking for like an avenue of creating some additional income. And that's how I stumbled across short-term rentals, which coincidentally was because of you. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So you graduated. Let's just get this timeline going. You graduated college in 2019, yep. which is also when I graduated college. Go, go heels, throw that out there. Go heels. So got that first job, you know, that $45,000 a year. And I guess, what was that realization? Like, this isn't enough. You know, I got yeah. I got to do something else. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't making that much. You know, I had a lot of friends that were making a whole lot more money when I first graduated. I'm sure, you know, you you saw that as well. And I was like, I have to make some additional income because like with the current pace of how my job is going, I'm just not going to be in a position where I want to be in the future. So I graduated. I, you know, first started doing Airbnb because of you. I was seeing what you were doing via social media. I reached out. And uh, you know, you were like the inspiration actually behind me, you know, getting started in this business. Since then, I, I've really grown and I think I'm up to like 16 or 17 different listings from in New York and North Carolina. And now like, you know, I'm almost, I don't know, I, my main job has uh, progressed, but I'm almost outpacing it. I think I probably am outpacing it with the income I get from short-term rentals so you're, versus you're, my W-2. And your W-2, just for context, it has gone up. Yeah. Significantly. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's when you're saying you're you're, you're about yeah. to hit it, it's not like you're 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 past that 45 already. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're shooting you're shooting well up beyond maybe what you even thought was feasible a couple of years ago. Yeah, 100%. I mean, my goal, I guess, like two years ago, was just to get 10k of income from my short-term rentals, and thankfully, I was able to like surpass that. And now it's just kind of taken on a life of its own. I love like having the W2. And it's great for banks and stuff like that, showing that, you know, credit history. But on the same time, I've just got tons of cash flow coming in from, from the properties. And also, I, I love to, like, actually be a part of these, like, projects. So for me, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I also love the community. I think we've got some really, like, interesting people involved. And, you know, because of that, it's just really been a, a joy this past uh, couple of years. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely been a joy seeing your progression. And Blake's done... If I think like I've done a lot of strategies, Blake has probably done pretty much everything I've done this point. And he's even done additional, an additional, like we're going to, we're going to call this the, the mystery strategy. Yeah. We'll get into that later, but you guys are going to have to stay tuned because Blake found a very unique new strategy that I'm at, I'll admit he has some, some, some cojones, some conviction to, to yeah. go after this strategy, but it's been doing very well for him. So reason to stay tuned to the end. Cause we're going to go through his full progression and kind of get into how he's scaling, you know, a large part of how he's scaling today with not needing to do that much initial investment, pretty high cash on cash and quick return on investment. But let's, let's go back a couple of years ago. So you, so Blake, you know, we were friends from college, but 
you know, we, you know, as college goes, you know, you're not necessarily like talking all the time or texting and then you graduate and mm-hmm. go do your thing. But I think this was the beginning of COVID. I was mostly doing boats. I think I was managing a couple Airbnbs, but I was just kind of like at the lake, just shooting shit, like posting random stuff yeah, in the yeah. boats in the, the house. The country lake, the country lake. Yeah. I remember that like specifically. You know, I was like, where, where's, I, I'm familiar with like where he was operating, where, Jer- where you were operating, Jeremy. And, you know, I was like, I've never even heard of this lake. Mm-hmm. And somehow I'm seeing that you're building this crazy little empire on this, this lake. But yeah, that was a, a crazy thing to view from the outside. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then, you know, you hit me up, we, we talked and I think what was really special, cause you know, I get, you know, I'm fortunate where I get like hit up a lot from different people, especially like over the years, but Blake was like, let's, he hit me up and he was like, what can I do? Like, what can I do? How can I get involved? Let's like, I see what you're doing. I think it's cool. I think it's awesome. And like, I think we can like take it to another level and I'd yeah. love to like just learn and participate in any way possible. And at that time, like I didn't have, you know, really much figured out. I mean, I was like, I was on to something, you know, like I was like, damn, these houses are, are doing really well, but this is new for me too. So that first deal we did together, which was May of 2021. Mm-hmm. And like at that time, you know, you, you know, you weren't making a lot, like you didn't maybe have that much like economic resources to, to invest, but you had like time you had, you know, you didn't have necessarily the knowledge. It's crazy. Cause Blake is so, so freaking good at setting up houses. Now, honestly, he may have even surpassed me at capabilities of setting up houses. Like you are very good at that. But that being said, you were just like, Hey, I want to see this. I want to help. Yeah. And you know, you've invested a little bit, put a little bit of skin in the game for that first property. But then he was, you know, he showed up and he, you know, put in as much effort as me into like actually transforming that first property into, I mean, at this point, it's pretty much been a machine, cash flow machine or for the most part. Yeah. Obviously, you know, there's always some ups and downs with different houses. Yeah. But um, yeah. So talk about that, I guess, like your attitude and approach and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to reach out to someone and I'm, I want to be involved in what they're doing. So people listening, like if they see someone online and they want to do that. Like what, what, how do you do it? Yeah, I mean, I always like had this like idea that partnerships are like the best way to progress. And I still have, very much have that idea that with partnerships, you're able to like, you know, leverage other people's knowledge, networks, resources, things like that. So when I reached out to you, you know, I'd reached out to other people for other reasons, like, like trying to learn more about, you know, their businesses. So when I reached out to you and I, I definitely knew you a lot better than some of the other people I was reaching out to, the math just made sense for the investments that you were making. And the returns were, you know, a huge part of that. So reached out, we, you know, got that first house together, which I'm sure like if people go back from your story, they're able to see some pictures and, and videos and stuff of yeah. that time. Yeah. Let's throw some up on the screen or something. I don't know. But I know. think there's even an episode you like made like, oh, the uh, YouTube. Yeah. 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 Like a YouTube series. Um, and that, yeah. that time I didn't know how to do video production at all. Yeah. Yeah. Still so learning. That's an OG video. If anyone like goes and sees that where, you know, that was like your f- first introduction to filmmaking. Even. And we were, we were literally out there just like set the scene. It was Blake and I, there were a couple other investors on the project who were like, would come in and out for like two or three days, maybe at a time. Yeah. But it was Blake and I for like three weeks at a house in like middle of nowhere, North Carolina. Like yeah. we were both, we both probably put like every cent we had really into the deal. So we were eating like frozen gas station like meals popeyes a lot of popeyes Pop, like, only and, fast and food. like parties or whatever is out there and and like we needed so like i think you know we bought the house may 19 2021 we raised some money you know we had other investors on the deal 
And then it was like, hey, we need to get this house up and running as quick as possible, which I remember at the time I was like, I think we could do this in one week. And we didn't even know yeah, how was... to fix a wall, like, you know, how to do, you know, put spackle on and fix a hole in a wall. Yeah. Like we had, came in with no knowledge. No knowledge. We've used a screwdriver. We didn't before. know how to paint. Yeah. We had no idea how to paint. We had no skills or knowledge. And we actually, you like our friend's girlfriend was she like, took control she, <laughs> she took control <laughs> and she her. was telling us how to like do these basic things but you know we quickly like fixed and like you know learned how to do these how to do these repairs but at the very onset we had no experience we had a i mean it was a bit of an older house like maybe from the 1980s that really needed some work so it was like things you needed should, a lot of work in hindsight yeah. Like, like yeah like list off all the projects that we did i mean the first Thing we did there were like holes in every wall so oh. we spackle paint we painted uh, all there was like old blue like colored like uh countertops as well as like bathroom vanities yeah we painted and the countertops that's crazy we that painted we the that. bathroom vanities yeah. and like we didn't want to we didn't we want to do everything ourselves because we didn't we didn't want to have to to pay contractors at that time but it was even like we chopped down so many trees like yeah not i don't know if we, we weren't supposed yeah we did that like two in the morning <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't tell anybody in the morning <laughs> we, were, we were cutting down like some trees and i and jeremy looks at me and then it's like oh crap and and there's a the flashlight there's a possum right next to my head with like things and crazy could have taken blake out right there yeah, yeah that could have been the end of it but also um, like deck boards like the dock had to like be partially rebuilt the deck yeah. had to be like partially rebuilt we like demoed all like there was like a like closets and dividers. That we yeah. just like demoed on the inside and put in new shelves and stuff. Like ninety feet of uh, pathway. Um, Still got to work on that pad. Yeah, <laughs> plumbing to add additional washer and dryer in the garage. We didn't do the plumbing. We, yeah. we just yeah we didn't do the plumbing. And then there was like ten thousand other things. Like yeah, the, little bunch of little things. I remember I remember like the day we go, we we close and like everyone's kinda looking at me. And to that point You were the we thought you were like like knew so much more because at that time you did. You know, you just had all the knowledge. But I had you done, didn't have that much. I knew like so I had done relatively turnkey properties <laughs> yeah. or like co hosting. So it's like someone else sets it up. Yeah. And you know, I don't have to really do anything other than the marketing and management aspect. Mm -hmm. But the houses I had done were Every like the furniture came with the house. Yeah. Like maybe added a fire pit, but like overpaid someone to yeah. do the fire pit. Cause like I didn't know you could just pour some gravel and, you know, put a couple, couple Adirondacks and it would practically do the same job. So like I did have some experience, but like a full house renovation. Like I remember they all like, were like, all right, Jeremy, like what's the plan? And I'm like, look, I'm going to try to build this walkway in the back. Like that's the project I need to figure out how to do. Like, just go around the house, like pick some project, yeah, like yeah. figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. And which I didn't really tell them ahead of time. I think they, like, I was like, yeah, we'll figure it out, guys. Like, come on, like we're, we're smart enough. Like, I'm sure we'll figure it out. Like other people have renovated houses before. I think we can figure out how to do it. Yeah. But Blake was so eager to like learn, you know? And like, I would say from there, like it's probably knows the insides and outs of like how to renovate houses, like better than anyone else who was there or like, very, very, very proficient at this point. So like your eagerness to learn how to do it and literally from the smallest of like little tidy tasks to like complicated engineering of like, you know, how to like plumb gas into the house to like do a second washer dryer, yeah. how to do like, a, you know, how to configure, how to look at like the panel to figure out how much electrical is on there so you can do a hot tub, yeah. like kind of more engineering it's, uh, tasks you're now to do. But all right, so that first house, 
I guess so it was a good experience. To learn. That was a great experience. I loved it. It was really funny. We would like, you know, even on the weekends, like me and you would like just go to the local bar and get some Coronas that closed at like 9 p.m. But that was like our, our life for a while. And but that was like the introduction. It was a fantastic experience. And I think just like being eager, keeping a positive attitude and then just like looking to build with other people was like primary motivation, you know, for or primary reason why like it worked out so well. Yeah. Um, and in, in hindsight, so one of those investors in that property, you have now done a bunch of, of deals with. Yeah. Uh, and then also one of our friends who just came by the house to hang out is now one of your investors in yeah. your, your newest property. Yeah. So just that first house, you know, just kind of what, what, what happened since then? Yeah. So right after I did that first house, um, I think I went and bought, I did one, I did like basically like two more group deals. Um, and these were buying initially. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were buying initially. And then a few months later, I did like a renovation of a house and then started co-hosting. And then from there, I just really went heavy into rental arbitrage. But that's kind of been like the, the build up. And ever since then, you know, it's, it's been pretty, you know, fast paced, I would say. Got it. So at this point, you are part or you're an owner of one, two, three, four. And now your fifth, fifth property yep. is under contract. And I want to, I think one of the deals I want to highlight that, that Blake did and Blake has taken a very unique approach and kind of used, used regulations to his advantage. And one of those places he's done that is in Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah. That's so the, that's the funniest property that. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell them about that property. Yeah. So in Asheville, North Carolina, there's some strict regulations. Um, it's a red state. Um, but a very blue city. It's about as blue as it can get. It's the most blue. There's, you know, uh, it's drum circles like every other street corner, you know, and it's, yeah, Asheville, North Carolina. I'm sure like many people have heard of it. It's in the Smokies near a ton of national parks. But yeah, there went and bought a multifamily uh, unit. And we and knew- when you say multifamily, you literally mean a house that just the basement happens to not have a stairwell into the house. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's viewed as a duplex. And for that reasons, you know, you have to get like special, you may have to get a special loan or things like that. But the, the thing that's interesting about Asheville is they have extremely strict regulations. And that's where that blue city comes into play. And I typically try to stay out of those, but recently I've been running into it. But they have strict regulation in the sense that you can't rent out all, you can't rent out your house as a short-term rental. You can do it, you can do private bedrooms, but you have a limit of two. And if you ha do rent out private bedrooms, the, one of the people on the permit has to live there full time. So that's very nuanced and it stops a lot of people from entering the market. Because other people don't enter the market, that private bedroom rents the same as a cabin would, even like a regular house would. So your average you know, daily rate is really high, your revenue is high, and you know, it's you know, even for the private bedrooms, you know, they can match up to what a, a studio apartment in New York City would as terms of price, you know, like 2000 2500 per month. And so what we did there is we I went to the house. We, you know, did some renovations, things like that. We rented the basement. You live there. You yeah, live there. I your... live there. I live there. And I'll show you the grit. I'll tell you about the grit that it took to live there. But we got the basement rented out and it's, a, it's like a 30-day minimum, medium-term rental. And that satisfied all the requirements because it was 30 day plus. And then we, we went there, we renovated the first bedroom and then the second bedroom and we were living there. And 
as soon as they finished one of the bedrooms, we started renting it as a short-term rental. And I was living in the living room because it wasn't a bedroom yet. So mm-hmm. it was me and another like business partner. And eventually we added a wall and that was the bedroom we used as our second permitted short-term rental. After that, we needed to find a solution with somebody staying there full time because me and my business partner, we didn't want to live in Asheville like the rest of our lives. So we actually approached our gym manager. If he would be interested in like this living situation, we'll give you a discounted rent and he'll satisfy the requirements of the city for it being a short-term rental. And he said, yeah. And his name is Dustin. He's shout out to Dustin. Shout out to Dustin. Dustin's listening today. He's, Dustin uh, says, holding down the port. Yeah, he he never wants to move ever. You know, the property does like close to 100k in in revenue, so it's a pretty solid property. We got a it's went up low interest rate. It's went up a lot in value. Yeah, it's come up a ton in value. You guys, he locked against it. Yeah, we well, he locked against it. So we like took money out on you know a line of credit against the house, and we were. Able to use that for doing the arbitrage properties. Yeah, doing arbitrage, what have you. I don't even know how it how it went out, but <laughs> check the books on that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll just check the books where it went to. But uh, from a crypto loan to oh yeah, just yeah. for context, that first investment Blake did in the house were like kind of the deal that I I led. It was a crypto loan, right? That's how you well, finance. So it? I I was I told you I was doing all sorts of businesses. So I was trying to like find ways to like earn better money. And I saw that you could bet on the presidential election by state. So I was like, oh, okay, that's a pretty much guaranteed return on Alabama, like voting in a Republican and Massachusetts voting Democrat. So I was, I was doing that, I was setting it all up. I put all my money into crypto to bet on these betting sites. And it just happened that So far. you weren't doing businesses, you were gambling. Yeah, yeah. You were, you were, yeah. You were literally, you were in a, in a desperate place for, for making money. I, I was in a desperate place and I put it in at the right time and Bitcoin just shot up. And so I took that money and I put it into the first house that we did. I'm glad, I'm glad you took it out of Bitcoin. Yeah. Probably wouldn't have been too good if you I kept it I sold the there. high, dude, I sold the high. So I wasn't making that much, so I had to find a fund somehow. It was risky. I, I don't recommend it, especially with like NFTs and stuff like that. I'm totally out. Of, of cryptocurrency, but it was a good good place at the right time. Got it. So you got that Asheville property. Yeah. You let a deal outside of Asheville for a cabin, mm-hmm. and you also then helped. And Blake, again, just like wanted to take action, wanted to do stuff, wanted to learn. I bought a house near when Blake bought the one in the mountains. I invested a, some in that one and then got another cabin. And then Blake you know, already had the infrastructure there. He set it up. Like he he led the setup, obviously got compensated for that. And then has been helping to manage it for the last uh, year and a half. So you got your Smokies portfolio. Yep. And then tell us about, I guess, where'd you go after the Smokies initially? I went and did, and sent, you know, went to like central state yeah central north carolina yeah then you went to the triangle region triangle then the triad and yeah i mean pretty much i'm everywhere in north carolina except for the beach the beach okay and then so when you're in the triangle and triad that's where you really started your kind of arbitrage yeah that's where i really started did like you know a couple of apartments and it was kind of interesting there like we could kind of line up the different like resources and stuff just because all the apartments were the same mm-hmm. and you know we, it was like the first experience doing like you know three different units of the same like at, yeah the same week like yeah three <laughs> three different you know being able to put on the address different apartments so you know make sure that it goes to oh yeah different one ran into some problems with that yeah Didn't set it up right on the listings and sent some people and sent some guests even 
uh, to the wrong apartments because I forgot to put the apartment numbers. And uh, there's only like four apartments in the whole building. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, there there was some there was a learning curve for, mm-hmm. for that. Okay, so you did the apartments, and did that help you then lead to, I guess, what's your newest business line? Yeah. So you know, I did some more deals after that, but now my new business line is uh, really you know going to up against like cities that have very strict short-term rental regulations, finding ways to work within those regulations, and then you know charging a premium because yeah, I don't know how much we can, how much we can get into this. Yeah, I, but, can't uh, I can't get into all of them, but uh, <laughs> can't get into would, too much, but we so may or may not currently be in the city with the strictest <laughs> regulations yeah, yeah. that there is. And I will admit this. I'm not going to paint a target on my back. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. We may or may not be doing rentals and being creative to do rentals. And because it's so strict, I do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're speaking purely theoretically, theoret- theoretical right now. If you, te- if yeah. you happen to operate in a city where the cops will literally show up at your door. Yeah. And yeah. They'll, and they, they delist all, all of the units. Yeah. I'd never like, you know, spill the beans on that, but <laughs> there is, but there's opportunity. There's <laughs> of opportunity there. And remember, like I have a portfolio where there's, bunch of like stable units that add like their purchased units or the rental arbitrage have good lease agreements so these are my moonshot deals they are high risk high, high re- reward you might pay back your furniture investment in seven days yeah like crazy stuff like that yeah and when and as, which is as crazy a financial which is crazy would tell you you know you, you can put like you know a five, certain allocation five to ten percent of of your portfolio towards those moonshot deals and that's what i've kind of done and you know it's they've grown super quickly, tons of cash flow, but there's that risk that uh, yeah. Well, as long as you make back your initial cash investment with arbitrage in particular, if you're buying, there's other variables at play, obviously. But really, for arbitrage, it's making your money back. Mm-hmm. Like once you've made your money back, what's the worst that can happen? Like you get kicked out. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you've made your money back. Like there's no harm done. Or is that the way you see it? Yeah, that's that's exactly the way I see it. Um, so I'm okay if I, I lose one. You know, that's just like the cost of doing business. Yeah. And you should be okay with that um, if you go into like kind of a higher risk, uh, you know, short-term rental area. You should be okay with like a potential. Yeah. Your empire crumbling a little bit, you know? And just, so. and just to be very clear, this is all through 30-day medium-term rentals yes right just just to be completely I, clear i there. love the uh, medium-term rental game i think that there's a lot of uh, which are completely legal completely, completely legal. legal yeah i mean you're not you're not subject to having the guests you know really need a lot because once they get into a unit and they're there for a month they really don't reach out to you also you know if you're listing on furnished finder if you're listing on facebook if you're listing on these other sites the reviews aren't so critical um, more of the pictures are more important. Yeah, yeah. The pictures are massive. Location, 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 mm-hmm. and you know, the design of of the property is like pretty key. And if you can hit those criteria, and it's a good market, there's people looking for that 30 day minimum, then you can do a really solid job. So let's let's just kind of give a hypothetical, or maybe if you want to share the numbers of like one of your recent rental units, what, how much did it cost? Uh, was it a studio? Was it a one bedroom? How much did it cost to furnish? And then. Have you been getting bookings? And if so, how much were they for? Yep. And once you start doing a bunch of uh, properties, you kind of lose track of the exact dollar amount of how much it costs to do the furnishing because you kind of realize you're going to get back that return. But the most recent two bedroom, really a bedroom and a loft um, apartment that I did, 
the rent was, I think 50, it's 5,100. I probably spent, you know, 10 to 13 K on, on furnishing, maybe even less and furnishing and, and, you know, any renovations I wanted to do, which are pretty minimal for rental arbitrage. And then it pulls in monthly revenue is I think around the 12 K mark. Wow. Yeah. So that is, let's just say 5 K cash flow per yeah. month. And these are month long rentals. So a lot of times you get paid like upfront for them, right? Yeah. Yeah. You get paid upfront. So it's great to have that cash like on hand, like two months before you actually have the reservation. So um, then it might like, let's say you get the, let's say you, your lease starts right now. It's September 20th. Let's say your lease start started August 15th. You got, you would get that up and running probably what about two weeks. Yeah. Uh, September 1st. And then oftentimes you're getting bookings for what, four months where they're paying, you know, that 10 K a month. So they brought to you that 40 K, which essentially means you're getting your initial cash investment back in three weeks. Yeah. Is that like, yeah, yeah. So actually the most recent one, like the day we had it ready, it was already, it was already rented, but uh, yeah, you get the cash up front and you know, it really is a game of cash flow and you can get caught with your pants down. You know, as soon as the tide goes out, we all see who's, you know, not wearing anything underneath sort of deal. Yeah. And so you have to make sure that your cash flow is in the right position to pay rent, but also, you know, that you're not spending too much on getting new units. And with rental arbitrage, you get that money up front. So you do have that ability to invest it elsewhere while you're waiting for that time to come up. But you have to be careful. It's a dangerous game for playing yeah. with your cash flow. And just, just to be very clear, with rental arbitrage, you don't necessarily get that money up front because, you know, let's say if you're doing short-term rentals, over the next four months, you have 30 different rentals from Airbnb. That means you're getting paid out after each booking. So you're not, you're not getting it instantaneously. Blade doing medium-term rentals. And I actually want to kind of position this conversation more towards medium-term rentals in a second. Because you're doing these longer duration leases and you're making them essentially prepay it as you're allowed to do, or like most of it's probably paid early. Because you're doing that, your return on investment is so much quicker because you don't have to wait for 30 rentals. You just do one. And as soon as they come in, you've already made it back and you have that money to then redeploy elsewhere. So is that kind of like one of the cool aspects of medium-term rentals that you've discovered? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, certainly one of the cooler aspects. Um, I think it's just like a facet of it. I do like that I don't have to rely as much on my virtual assistants mm -hmm. um, to actually you know, do the messaging and so forth. Because guests don't really message Yeah, you. there's like no property manager involved compared to short-term rentals where I'm getting, you know, you know, a okay. day, you know, yeah. instead of with like medium-term rentals, they check in once, you like snooze and forget. And so the property manager aspect is like really decreased. And since I've been growing my business so quickly, like it's, it's a huge headache if you have so many units and you're communicating with so many guests. So finding an avenue where there's like less property management, but basically the same or better returns. I mean, that's a Goldilocks sort of space, mm -hmm. you know, like that's where you can, you know, kind of live your own life. And that's why I'm able to maintain my W2 job. You know, I like my units don't take too much time to, to operate. And in the ones that do, I have virtual assistants. Got it. So let's, let's get into that. So, so all of everybody probably hears all the time, all oh, short-term rental regulations, short-term rental regulations. Again, Blake started an arbitrage business in the city with the strictest short-term rental regulations humanly possible. He then pivoted to medium-term rentals, found that his returns were maybe not as good, but like 
not that far off as good as they could be. He found that from a management standpoint, operational standpoint, it was a lot easier, mm -hmm. a lot less of a headache. It allows him to do other things with his time, such as be a effective W-2 employee. Mm -hmm. So I guess for those thinking like, what's the worst that can happen, especially again, in these highly regulated cities, 30 day minimums, the worst that can happen. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of markets, I guess, have you looked at other kind of short-term, medium-term rental markets and like, what are indicators that it's going to be a good place for your model? Yeah. I mean, so I actually have looked at a lot of them, San Diego being one of them, Miami, of course, you know, the most recent one I was looking at was Honolulu, Hawaii, just because that's a beautiful place and wouldn't mind having a place there. But you know, when looking at these other markets, you really have to see like, you know, how strict are the regulations? What are the 30 day properties? How are the medium term rentals currently doing? Like, what do you see that they're charging on Furnish Finder or Airbnb? And then you just go and look and see, are there like, like apartments or houses available for sale that are, you know, if you project it out, are they like half, if the rent is like half as much as what your revenue is, like, does it make sense for you to like do that deal? So that's kind of how I look at it. Currently, I'm just in, I'm in like one major, major city, but I am looking to kind of expand that this next year. Maybe even go internationally. I used to live in Spain. So one of, one of the people I'm connected to, they have units in across Europe. And so I'm thinking to, you know, maybe make the move there in San Diego. Wow. World, you're going from Hawaii to Europe. Yeah. We're talking about managing in different time zones. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be like the <laughs> toughest thing. And, you know, as, I think you say this a lot. You know, it's best to just do it on one time zone. Yeah. Blake of recent maybe hasn't been leading because when he told me, you know, that he was going into a place where there was going to soon likely be high regulations, mm -hmm. I was like, dude, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know, man. But he's done it. So all I can say is uh, kudos, kudos for that. And yeah, the yeah. house is still standing right now. Yeah. We'll see uh, <laughs> if it is in a couple of months. Yeah. And uh, if you want to go to Hawaii and then also go to Europe and you know, uh, I know VAs can be awake at all these different times. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, uh, I would love to, I'm curious to see, but uh, yeah. So what I want to get into, so while he's been doing this and, and I want to touch on people, you know, getting investors again, early on in that first project, we had a friend of ours literally just come by check in at the time he was a mortgage broker so he was interested in also doing potentially doing business with us and we just hung out had a we had a, we had a really fun time yeah that was a great night but uh, yeah. great day great night but flash forward a couple of years later and he is now you know fulfilling his dream of being a yeah, from month ago, like too deep into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, he's he's crushing it. Yeah, he's yeah. crushing he's it. He's doing a great job. He's doing a great yeah. job. And I don't want to, you know, just bleep out, you know, who it is. So. Yeah, yeah well, he's doing a good job. Sure. But the point is, is like you were hanging out, you were showing him what you were doing early. Yeah. And now he's seen it firsthand. Yeah. And like he had confidence to like, work with you and invest with you. So my, my point here is like showing people the work ethic and that you're doing something and that, and if they see you, you know, maybe nothing comes from it today, but like five years from now, you know, you can relationships, relationships can evolve with us. So I guess how important is it for you like to network, to work with others yeah. and like, what's your outlook on that? Yeah. I mean, I, even like the first group deal that I led, I made sure to get into that deal. Um, people that uh, had a lot of upside, meaning like they can invest in this deal. But if I proved myself in this deal, they had a lot more appetite for doing more. 
So that was really crucial. And we got like one investor that is definitely in a position to just, you know, invest in some more, more moonshot deals, which is what I would call like investing in, into Airbnb for some. And so we got him involved. And like now we also have like ability to, you know, get him invested in so many other deals. And he's already offered to do a ton with us. We just haven't taken him up on it that much, but it's really important. Like your badger question, it's really important to get investors have a have a pipeline for people that you can call on your Rolodex and invest in potential deals because you don't know when certain deals are going to uh, pop up. And when they do pop up, you need to be ready to act. And yeah, like that one friend that we were talking about that, you know, came and saw us at the lake a couple of years ago, he just came out of the blue and said, hey, can, can we do a deal together? And I was like in a position where I was ready. I had some, you know, gun, dry gunpowder ready to, to deploy and moved quickly. I think within two weeks, we had a house under contract. Yeah, another one was like, I got told like, wow, this is a, <laughs> it's yeah. an entry. Like, and it's also pretty, it's a, I don't want to use the word speculative because I don't think that's the right word. No, I wouldn't call but... it uh, speculative actually, because we have a property nearby mm -hmm. that's very similar. And so we have some of the best numbers like for a, a property like that. Maybe if you look at like the property or, or the region as a whole, maybe you could say it's speculative, but when you have comps nearby, like that's going to, you know, serve as your best ability to determine if it's a good deal. Especially, you know, I think in that city, I've got like, we've got two arbitrage or two properties there. And then I've got a ton of friends with arbitrage units in the area. Got it. Well, let me backtrack and just say like you have, I guess several times, like when you told me about the, the Asheville one mm -hmm. and you guys showed me the, the PowerPoint presentation of What's considered uh Oh yeah, uh, the regulation. Uh, yeah, the regulation. The regulation tried that. And it was so complicated. And I was like, all right, y'all got some like this is this is an interesting approach here. Like, yeah, I don't know how this is gonna play out. Like you're, yeah. I think you guys asked me to like underwrite it and I, and I gave my best attention. Yeah, we I were said, like, what do you think of this? And I and I did. I did a little spreadsheet, I added up the separate yeah. units, and I don't think I was that far off like how you guys were. Uh, but I was like, you know, this is and then I guess these new apartments. You know, I'm like, again, these are these where I can't even like really put a put an exact calculus or, or point on it. But they've worked. You start off they've with worked. one, and and that's the big. You thing. start off like, with one. In we an start area. off with one, like in the big city where we have a lot of regulation. We start off with one. We did it for a year. It paid itself off, and then we were able to scale from there. But yeah, you should use caution. Like, don't buy off too much so that you can't handle, especially mm -hmm. if you're low on funds, like low on cash. Got it. Okay, so. I want to get back into, again, me, I feel like, I don't know, I'm seeing more and more online about medium-term rentals. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, to be honest, and correct me if I'm wrong, people are making it look like more complicated like than it really is. They're like, oh, you have to connect with all these people and build out some like crazy network. But really, it just happens. Like you get, you. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems, you know, and this, yeah. and, and I, we have properties that we rented out for months at a time. Maybe they're also short-term rentals. But we have, you know, we've had the whole travel nurse thing. Yeah. We've had the whole traveling business professional. Yeah. But really, it's like over time, like they find you. Like if you if you build a property, you furnish it the right way, you offer it for a month or two at a time. Yes, you can put it on Furnish Finder. You can put it on Airbnb with 30-day minimums. Mm -hmm. But there are people whose entire job it is is to place people, you know, travel, like travel agents four months at a time. Oh, yeah. You know, especially like, let's say you represent a company, it's your job to place the employees for temporary projects. Like they find you, <laughs> they 
you know, like they, they're looking too. So it's not like you have to really find them. Like they, the credit her. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on the market. Like some big cities with tough regulation, like there's a extreme demand because the city has basically not allowed like transient people to like, you know, get apartments. Maybe they can rent a hotel, but people don't want to stay in a hotel for like 30 days. Like that's just brutal. So in those cities with like low supply of, you know, apartments to rent for like 30 days or, or more on that short time frame. Yeah, brokers do come into play. Brokers are hired sometimes by, you know, restaurants that have are having a visiting chef, companies that are having employees visit that city to maybe, you know, build, do some construction or, you know, have meetings or set up a new office, X, Y, Z, and they'll pay a premium. And so if they work through those brokers, I mean, yeah, they'll reach out to you. And other times, other cities that don't have like really that demand that, that drive a, you know, that drive a very high like, revenue, they will, you know, a lot of times it's like furnace finder and they'll, they'll reach out to you like from there, like more of like the budget friendly cities. Got it. So I guess, would you recommend to folk trying to like reach out and find, let's say people who staff like nurse travel nurses yeah, and stuff like that? Like, I guess is building the network more important for medium-term rentals uh, relative to short-term rentals? I would say it's only really in those big cities that you can, like, that it's really worthwhile to find uh, those brokers. I think in the smaller cities, no, it's probably not worth it. Just stick to Furnish Finder and Airbnb, VRBO. But uh, the big cities, yeah, like, they'll find you and just make those connections and say, hey, when you have your next client, like, remember me. Hit me up. Like, yeah, yeah. I'll give you a little bit of a kickback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a kickback, of course. Like, Which is totally fine. Yeah, yeah. Not, this isn't corruption. It's, no. it's business. They're a broker. That's <laughs> No, no, it's not. It's not. Like, it's like their job. They're getting paid, actually, from the client, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the client, like, pays them a finder's fee, like, sort of deal. And then, yeah, you can work it into your deal as well, that you give them a portion. So, you know, everyone's winning. And they want to scale with you. I mean, we're getting approached a lot now to, like, for brokers, for us to, like, get a unit for them specifically so they can only rent to their clients and then like we would structure a deal so you know they you know get a commission off every time it's rented per month or if it hits a certain dollar amount so yeah this is like i'm probably playing at a in very different medium term rental uh spaces and because of that there's like different strategies for them got it okay so so you have like built these relationships but i want to kind of talk about just relationships as a whole as well as kind of working with others and kind of, uh, you know, masterminding. Yeah. Like I have, you know, Blake came me up initially. I had experience, but I've definitely learned things from him. Like he's tried different strategies. He's got properties in different areas before I've gone properties. I've gone properties in areas before he's gone properties where I've shared my data. I've shared my... Yeah, it's very collaborative. I yeah, what yeah, what is the benefit of just like having a community... Yeah. Of others. Yeah. I mean, well, the cool thing is, which people like probably realize, but you just like know so many people in the short term rental space. So whenever I have like some idea or I'm hearing rumblings of some certain strategy, like I can just go to you and you're like, oh, yeah, I know somebody that's like has like 50 units doing it that way. And so for me, like relationships are huge because I just hear about these new things like way, way ahead of other people that normally like. If you just like have your friend group, they wouldn't know about. So yeah, like I think it's really important to have relationships, especially in short-term rentals. So you can get better as a host. So you're driving the highest revenue. And so that, you know, you can kind of go up with other because you will grow together. And it's, that's also really cool to see. Like, you know, 
it's great to see you like have an Airbnb Lux property, for example. Like that's pretty awesome. And you can you could get I am a Lux Connect now. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, if you yeah. want to do a Lux property, I'll connect you with her. Because that took me a while to be able to get connected with her, but I'll, yeah. I'm happy to keep that door open. Should that be a, one of the new strategies that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that we go after? It'll come. It'll come. Yeah. Probably one thing. Yeah, we'll start with studio <laughs> yeah. apartments that cost yeah, a few yeah. thousand to furnish, and then six bedroom yeah. houses to twenty bedroom luxury. Studio apartments cost nothing to furnish. Like when you compare it to like some of the houses we do, yeah. like six bedrooms. I mean, it's like, you know, 6X or plus outdoor areas plus with a basketball court, plus a fire hot tub, hot tub, heated pool. Yeah, a pool would be jinx. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy to see like, you know, how there's like, you know, all these like different like types of strategies and like how you apply it and how you learn about these strategies, like how you leverage your relationships. And now like, you know, we've been like helping people get started in Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because we've been coaching people and now they're even finding like new strategies. So we're always- and their the, data points for us. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. They're, they're, they're like, like oh yeah, let me, let me update your price labs <laughs> for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah but- and we see it and we're like, wow, like these people are like crushing it in this market, which I knew was good, but now I really- And we're, we're helping them crush uh, it Of course, too. yeah. But yeah, it's just more, and that's really like this game's data, you know, and that's like any sort of business. Yeah. Like seeing- how different people in different properties are doing in different areas, helping them maximize earnings potential through. And like Blake has done an insanely good job with like building out like a design infrastructure. Yeah. So yeah, talk us through, I guess, how, you know, how you kind of like design toolkits and how, how you quickly yeah. just are within, you know, <laughs> five, six days getting these properties up and running and getting them furnished. Yeah, I mean, and I, getting them furnished extremely well where you can charge a premium on a monthly basis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say like my design for my college, my college apartment, if you saw my bedroom, no bed frame, like just like the same like white well, sheets. Mat- mattress on the ground. Mattress on the ground, of I've course. Been, I've like, been there. <laughs> and so then I go from like a year later, like designing Airbnb where I want people to stay and they just looked awful. They were terrible. I wouldn't stay there even today. So don't look back at those like old properties. So we like kind of like organically grew it over time. We just saw other people, you know, designing these great Airbnbs and we're like, okay, we want to do that. And so we really like kind of leveraged our personal relationships and going to people that kind of had that like experience sometimes in like fashion, sometimes in like other aspects or just like having great design skills. And yeah, so it happened organically. It started out our Airbnbs, Airbnbs look like crap. And we wanted to drive a higher nightly rate. So by do, so by and when we say our now, Airbnbs look like crap, you'd probably look at them and be like, oh, they look solid. But to yeah. the point today where they're extremely good. Yeah. You yeah. know, they're like top in the game good. Yeah, like 95th percentile in the market. Yeah, and like you're not paying 95th percentile rent. You're not paying 95th no. percentile mortgages. But you're commanding 95th percentile average daily rates yeah. and pushing occupancy. And I think doing a good job of like, you know, setting up, so many properties so quickly you can't you can't start from scratch each time no. like you need to rinse and repeat you need to kind of like build out design toolkits like templates yeah i guess and blake's done a very good job of like just getting that process very standardized but if you look at the fixtures it doesn't look standardized everything also looks unique and like has that personalized touch as well yeah i mean a lake house in illinois is gonna look different from a you know tampa but it's that same like foundational yeah yeah we have the same approach you know and things like that how are those designs like so blake is helping one of one of those in our 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 community our mastermind yeah set up a lakefront property in 
rural Illinois that he got for Decatur. Decatur. Shout out to Matt Beck. Yeah, shout out to Matt Beck. He's and I mean we he got the house for a very good price. Steel. Mm -hmm. I, a total steal. Real estate is not a you know, you can you can if you have more access to to brokers, you you jump on a property, you're the first one to see it. Yeah. Like you build a relationship with the seller. Mm -hmm. You see what they need, so what's important to them, and you you match that. You can get a very good deal. So I always, I mean, he's paying hundred eighty five for a property that might, you know, yeah, it could it could do a wide range, but can do very well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's other Airbnbs like doing pretty well, and their design is bad. So how what's the process of helping him? I haven't seen the design. Yeah. Yet, so but... basically, like he reached out, he wanted some design help. Basically, we get our like our designer, our in house designer, and she takes about two weeks to develop the design. She goes off the, you know, the pictures you get, the dimensions, she does the interior, exterior. She creates first a, a mood board. The mood board is like a little taste. So, you know, she'll send that over and be like, all right, this is the, the mood board I'm going with. It kind of gives you some snapshots of what it like could look like. And then from there, she builds out the whole property according to that mood board. And it takes a place that, you know, maybe wouldn't look that good with normal furniture and just takes it to the absolute next level where you're, you know, really dramatically increasing percentage-wise your revenue. Got it. So yeah, we're we're excited to see that one, and um, and maybe we'll have him on later. But yeah, we're we're also gonna have uh, uh, he's with us today. It won't get released this week, but next week, uh, Dylan, who's uh, Dill, Dill, he's the Dill. Man. He's actually another. Uh, he was our our friend initially. Uh, kind of similar situation uh, to Blake, where he reached out and, yeah. and wanted to get in. Yeah, it's funny and, because he comes from the construction world where he like builds, you know, like different banks, things like that. He has that engineering background, but he didn't have like the real estate transaction background. Well, he also didn't have like firsthand experience of friends who yeah. were doing something outside of the normal nine to five mm -hmm. and who were having success with it. Yeah. But, you know, then he, well, I don't say then he met us. He already knew us, but then <laughs> he, he, he. Gave it to us, say, hey, please help me. Uh, you know, that's part of the game. I think people, you see your friends online and maybe they're crushing it. Like, I mean, I have you know, different people who are doing different things. And, you know, you're like, you're like, all right, I don't, you know, I have a little bit of pride and confidence. Like, I don't want to like reach out and like say, tap me in <laughs> or yeah, like help, help me out or like show me or like let me help you so then you can help me. Like that takes, does take courage. And um, not everybody has that courage, but... <laughs> For the, I mean, I I need something that I know I need to even get better at. There's people doing things that I want to I want to learn about and I want to be a part of. So I guess yeah, what is your your pro tip for anyone listening today? Yeah, I would say first of all, like don't be afraid to reach out and like leverage your connections and you know ask for advice and and get mentored. But also you know you know have the right people around you, have the right friends because you know you're. Network is your net worth. I think that's a really common phrase. And at this point, what? Like how many of our friends do Airbnb? A lot, a lot. I, I, I feel a big burden, honestly, <laughs> yeah. that everybody started all, doing Airbnb. Everyone like everybody's got to get booked. I mean, like, it's incredible. I think there's like eight or 10 of us and we're like, we're friends, we're friends first and we all do Airbnb. It's, yeah. it's phenomenal. Like, so <laughs> it's, it is, it's it funny. is interesting. We're all like in different parts of the world operating our Airbnbs in different ways with like, you know, different strategies, you know, and with different returns, of course, but yeah. it's so cool to see everyone just like level up. It is cool. You do have to kind of put the disclaimer to people that they can't text you to ask like the most simple question yeah, yeah. ever. Hit the discord. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 come on guys. Like, I know you're a friend, but 
Do not expect to ask me like, what ply toilet paper should I get? <laughs> I get so many questions like that. I'm, I'm like, like, oh man, like, dude, buy to just get a normal. I don't know. What are you? <laughs> Why are you texting me? Asking it's like a two dollar difference. Yeah. yeah. No, we kid. We kid. We love helping everybody out. And yeah. So yeah. what can folk look forward to, or how they? How can they follow your journey? Yeah. And yeah. What should they be expecting from you, or what are you excited for moving forward? Yeah. You can follow me on Instagram. It's Lake Holden with the one as the L, the first L. And, you know, looking forward, I'm just going to be leveling up my arbitrage and continue buying and also hitting up co-hosting. Those are my like three strategies. I think those are the three main strategies anyway. Throwing glamping, but yeah. That's yeah, yeah. He's learned from my experience on, <laughs> on that one. Yeah, yeah. So glamping as well, like those. The, he- the logistical headaches. Yeah. To- toilets are crazy. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. It's uh, a- I knew way too much about it. <laughs> I think. <laughs> and he knows these things from me, yeah, so he yeah. didn't have to. He didn't have to face it himself. No, and no. vice vice versa in different ways. Yeah. So what to expect from me? Yeah, you can just follow me on Instagram, and I'm just going to be building up my portfolio. If you have any questions, you know, always happy to help others. Awesome. Well, Blake, thanks so much for coming to to hang out today. Yeah. And uh, yeah, guys, like Blake is just prime example of someone who was willing to was excited excited for the journey, was willing to put in the work, wanted to learn and get better every day. Didn't see it as like a get rich quick. I mean, you have probably at this point like amplified your wealth like by pretty high magnitude in a pretty short time. I think I went, yeah, I mean, I one like thing to even notice, like I went from like 60K in available credit and your credit's really a lot based off your W2 income. And then I think I checked and it was like, it like, tripled quadrupled or something like that so he can you could pull out i wasn't even realizing that it was happening it was just like the banks now just keep like up yeah, your credit their income and they just they, they treat they're you like different. take a quarter million dollars they, they, they yeah. treat you different it's absolutely wild yeah and then you realize oh banking's just a relationship thing you know and well it's also they can see that you're spending money yeah so you're buying all this furniture and you're paying it back mm-hmm. that's really what credit is yeah is like do you have history spending money and then paying it back. And I mean, at this point, if you've done 20 properties in the last two years, you've probably spent several hundred thousand dollars on furniture. Oh, 100%. And yeah, 1,000%. You've paid it back. I've paid it back. Paid it back. So yeah. they're like, sure, take a couple hundred thousand dollars more. Why don't you? Yeah. We trust you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's been good at actually speaking about relationships with banks. Blake has even helped connect me uh, with you know bankers that have given us you know good relationship-based terms. So I think when we did our first deal, he called like 10 every, banks. Every bank. No, Probably. no, no. It was like 100 banks. Oh, damn. <laughs> I called every bank in the state, in the state of North Carolina, and said, can you like beat beat this, you know, loan option? And, and speaking of, we were 23-year-olds with <laughs> very little track record. Yeah, but you don't, ta- you don't tell them that part. You just say, oh, yeah, we've got tons of experience, you know, and... We kind of did without really too much. You stretched the truth. Granted, we... You did. You had experience. Yeah, no, I mean, not, I had also... I did leverage your experience to benefit me. I would yeah, say. that's 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 the thing about masterminding. Like, you can you can lend, you know, one of your colleagues credibility as long as you can back it up. Like, obviously, you don't want to lie and say, oh, I'm the expert on, like, Hawaii, you know, like, beach houses, beachfront properties. Like, no, nah, but, like, you could say... I mean, if I wanted to do, you know, like a medium term and like a highly restricted place and was talking to a landlord about that, I would say, oh, we've, we have successfully done this same model in this city. Yeah. And if he wants to look into it, I'll send him the example. 
Blake will hop on a phone call. Yeah. Vice versa. I'll hop on a phone call with somebody just to like lend our credibility. So that's something that's super important too, is just like having business partners where you can lend each other's credibility to like new situations. And so, yes. Okay. So yeah, we, what was, I know well, I can, I want to shout out to Ryan Shapiro because I know I was on a presentation yesterday for any 19 units in Montreal, Quebec did not, obviously I'm not like, you know, the main person running that, but like, that's the type of thing where he like leveraged my experience. Your credibility on credibility. the phone call. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was an in-person meeting even. And for so right, and right you were, out, yeah, you were so on was, the in-person meeting. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was just there, you know, silent. But, you know, I just, you know, provided my support and said, you know, I'm going to be the person, you know, giving him guidance, so forth. Exactly. So exactly. Hopefully it went well, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I think, it, I think it did. So we'll keep, we'll keep you guys posted. We'll have Blake back because obviously you have a lot to learn from his experiences. Uh, yeah. I guess anything else you want to share with, with folk before? No, I mean, I think, thank you for having me on. Like, this is great. I love your, your new apartment. It's beautiful. I can't believe I haven't been over here before. And can't wait for the next time I'm on here. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for being a great host. Yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for coming. I've appreciated growing and learning with you. And it's awesome to see, you know, you're really, you're also just a nav, you were a teacher too at some point, right? I was in Spain. So, so you're in Spain. So he's a natural, like, communicator with others and showing them how to do what he's doing. So it's been awesome to see folk learn from you as well. And, you know, kind of like, you know, it's cool that you know, I've kind of taught you things and then you teach others. It's like, it just- you Grow with people. Yeah, exactly. It just amplifies everything and impact and all that jazz too. So thank you so much for being along for my journey and uh, yeah, let's, let's keep it going. Sounds good. All right. Well, that's it with Short Term Rental Pros Podcast. Stay tuned for the next one because that one will be awesome too. And as always, appreciate you guys. Give us a five-star review. Share this with someone you think can get some value. And if you guys want any help with anything, you know, hit us up. We're here to help you all out. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of y'all's week. Thanks for listening to the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, leave us a five-star rating, like, comment, and share this with someone you know that wants to invest in short-term rentals. 